Now we are moving into a different direction where we know that by 2050, we should really shift our diets to something that is more sustainable because our food system is really not sustainable the way it's going. So we need to decrease the consumption of animal products into something that is more plant-based or at least uh, with alternatives that are more sustainable. The societal concern about the environment and the consequences of our practices come into close focus when talking about food. Manny advocates switching from animal proteins to plant proteins to increase the sustainability of foods and perhaps become healthier. Although there are plenty of plant-based products on the market, there is a ways to go to close some of the food chains to ensure sustainability is at the heart of these products. You're listening to the latest episode of The Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. We would really appreciate it if you could listen, follow and give us a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. So today I'm joined by Ewan Mullins, the Head of Research in Oak Park Carlo, and Malena Kordig, Professor of Food Design in Aarhus University in Denmark, to chat about Valpro Path, a plant protein project. Malena, there's huge interest in plant proteins by consumers, of which is growing year by year. You might tell us a little bit about the demands from consumers in this space. I think that we have seen this growth for the past 10 years, I would say, but maybe the motivation has somewhat changed from uh, from a, a habit from some people of just trying to be maybe healthier and thinking or, or having this perception that, uh, that you know, a cutting part of the animal uh, base food is actually healthier to fads like you know veganisms or or other type of diets now we are moving into a different direction where we know that by 2050 we should really shift our diets to something that is more sustainable because our food system is really not sustainable the way it's going so we need to decrease the consumption of animal products into something that is more plant-based or at least uh, with alternatives that are more sustainable. And as we try to change everything, not only the animal-based proteins, but everything in general on how, how we produce and how we process food in, in ways that are more circular and more sustainable, obviously we are creating new um, opportunities for consumers to actually eat as something that is more uh, within the boundaries of our planet. And, and this is why probably uh, the consumer is asking for more of these products. And when you talk about, Malena, about simple and sustainable type products, you often hear people talking about this clean, whole food type of category. How does the plant proteins fit into that? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question, because we have to define what we really think is a is a clean and whole food is it more trusted is it uh, closer to your supply chain so closer to home you know at the under kilometer diet uh, or is it uh, about the label that has to have less ingredients and be more um, uh, uh, you know more clean in a way that you know your product comes really from the raw material and that's it and no longer having a lot of ingredients depending on how we define this I think that we can say yes uh, plant-based food could be um, simpler uh, you could also have a, an easier way to trace from the ingredient to the final product, especially if it is uh, 
bought from uh, from products that can be grown in your own country. But in terms of having a clean label, perhaps this is less easy than it used to be because, uh, for example, uh, milk-like uh, products from plant-based materials are not as uh, uh, white, not as um, uh, pleasant, creamy, um, stable as you would have into the traditional animal products like, uh, you know, bovine milk. So then you have to use stabilizers and you have to process or over-processed sure. ingredients to actually get to, this, to these products. Well, it depends on the definition, I suppose, when, when, when it comes around to what... Yeah, what, what yeah, because clean label, a clean label or a clean product, it can be a lot of things as, as well as when people say ultra processed versus processed. What is this? You know, like these definitions have to be better qualified to, to really be able to answer the questions. Okay. Ewan, can I bring you in on, on that there? We, we, we talked in the previous parts of this uh, protein series around the production of uh, proteins in terms of putting them through a process to concentrate those proteins to try and make them a little bit more valuable and going into the prepared fo- food industry. If I understand it correctly, in terms of the, this new project, the Valpro Path, it, it, it aims to, to take that concept maybe a little bit further and maybe link up a little bit more uh, to the markets. You might explain just a little bit around the Valpro Path project for me. Sure. So, so you mentioned U Protein there. That's the national project that was in in the previous podcast, and that really is about unlocking the potential of plant sources to deliver protein for food ingredients. And and Mark Fennell and Sinead explained all that process. And really, what we're doing in Valpro is we're taking that model. And we're pushing it out across across Europe and seeing seeing where the premium markets can can be identified and developed. So Valpro is 22 partners across eight countries. Um, and I suppose the context to it is that the EU protein landscape as it is, is, is not fit for purpose. Looking ahead to all the challenges that, that Malena mentioned there, we, we don't have premium supply chains for farmers. Um, and yet we have food industry uh, companies trying really hard to to source consistent supplies of plant protein. And yet we know primary producers can produce lots of plant protein because we produce very good yields around Europe. So in essence, it, it's it's like you have you have two partners on either side of the dance floor, and and really it's about getting them together in the middle. And what Valpro is, it's about using real systems uh, with real farmers, real companies, uh, developing those business models so that we can point to these and say, look, this, the, these are the farmers producing this amount of, of biomass. And from that, they're able to even indeed able to extract at a farm level, uh, do some pre-processing. And that then gives added value, um, which is a term often used, but basically it's all about trying to get as much value out of every bit of the product that comes off the field. Um, and that then leads to opportunities for companies to source material, source that that plant biomass uh, locally. So that leads into the whole story of authenticity, provenance, and it obviously reduces environmental footprint. Okay. And you, is there companies connected with Valpro and are they already producing commercial products and Maybe if they're not, is is that going to be an outcome of the project? There are companies, yeah. We we've some of the largest European food companies in the project, and and they're obviously actively sourcing and 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 looking to increase 
that that base ingredient uh, across Europe into their food production systems. They're they're fully aware of the consumer drive for uh, diversification of food sources. And they're also acutely aware of the need to be able to tag on their products a full sustainability storyline. And so what does that mean? It basically means when you when you go to your product, you know, is there a is there a barcode that you can scan with your phone uh, for consumers who want to know more about the ingredients, but where they've come from, where they produced and what's been the footprint of that. And that's an important part of our project. We are also hoping that because of the fact that this is a new economy that we're trying to develop, that there will be also possibilities to create new companies, as well as helping some of the startups that are part of the consortium uh, in, uh, in growing faster than they could alone. So I think there's a little bit of an ecosystem of, of partners uh, and there's some larger and some smaller companies and maybe some that we haven't invented yet and we hope to invent in the next two years. Okay, that's great. Yeah, so it could be new companies there. Ewan, can I just jump back to you a little bit? Um, I think as part of the project, there, there, there's um, new crops going to be trialed in different regions. Um, and I don't know whether it's going to be novel crops coming to Ireland or intercropping as part of that. Um, are they going to be... Uh, trialed in Ireland, if you like, um, and are they going to be analysed? I think you mentioned something about about having a full traceability or full maybe nutritional uh, or, or that end of it in terms of what what these new crops maybe could could uh, deliver to a consumer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the crops we're focusing on from the Irish context are faba bean, which we know grows extremely well, uh, pea, which has a small acreage, uh, but is a very good crop, and also lupin which in parts of Europe is a very successful crop for, for delivering plant protein into uh, food processing plants. And, and then across Europe, there are obviously other protein crops, which we'll, we'll, we'll investigate them from an Irish perspective. We're talking lentils, peanut, soya, but we know from previous work done in Oak Park by Sheila Alves that, that soya and the collection and varieties that are available at the moment just won't deliver for us. But we know from the work that Sheila's done that uh, uh, pea and faba and lupin are, are definitely high value sources. And you mentioned intercropping and, and one of the, one of the successes I think already coming out of Valpro is the intercropping of pea and faba bean. So faba bean has a nice thick stem. Pea is a great crop. Uh, food producers rate pea protein very highly as an ingredient and as a flower. And a pea crop, when it stands up, does very well. But when it falls over, it's it's a huge risk to the farmer, uh, potential loss of income. So what uh, Sheila has shown is that when you intercrop the two, faba and pea, so at a, at a ratio which would obviously lower faba to pea, what you get is that faba being acting as a scaffold. So it's effectively holding up the pea plant. And that that has multiple benefits. So automatically, you're able to harvest two crops coming off the same field. You reduce the risk of losing a pea crop. It extends the harvest window for the pea uh, by two to three weeks. So that's obviously putting flexibility into the into the management regimes for the farmer. And then there's the potential, and we're doing this through Valpro with, with our Italian partners, is when the material is taken off the field, there's an element of pre-processing that could be done on farm. And then you have those two uh, premium potential uh, outputs going to different food processors. It doesn't mean that that the material, obviously, it, the base, the default is that it can still be fed to animals, but really that the whole goal of Alpro is to move on from that. It's to develop those premium supply chains. 
Uh, and one of the, the, I suppose, the apprehensions for growing pea in Ireland as a pass is that risk of lodging. And this is a very simple agronomic fix. There's some more work to be done, obviously, in terms of the ratios and the getting the varieties to make sure they're 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 synchronous in terms of maturity. But the initial results are are very promising and hopeful. Sure, and and you you'll also be looking at the nutritional elements of putting those together and and that end of it. Will that will also follow the project? Absolutely, and I mean, like you know, the benefit to, to the soil, soil structure, the follow-on crop, the potential to reduce nitrogen in the follow-on crop. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a real positive and a win-win. And uh, there's some logistical issues to be checked out, but I mean the other the other aspect of the project in regards to the pea is that we know the potential of pea flour to be incorporated into into standard bakery products and bread making without any loss of sensory experience for the consumer. So then there's the potential then to offset uh, the use of of wheat flour, uh, and it leads to certain independence because obviously in Ireland we import all of our wheat flour as well. So. So again, it's it's about diversifying the potential from all these streams that are there into new products and new processes. Melina, to bring you back there, in previous episodes, and just picking up from what Yuna's after saying there as regards some of the processing and making it into flour and various different things, when you take proteins and you, I suppose, process them like that and potentially increase their overall value, they probably land up land maybe in a, a an area of um, either processing or super processed. Does that help or hinder? Do you think in terms of the inclusion of proteins within some of the food products that are out there? No, actually, I think that this is probably the way to go. And uh, we have a dream of basically demonstrating through Valpro uh, how farmers could actually make more money out of uh, growing crops that are protein crops for food. Uh, I think that uh, if you start visioning, envisioning a new kind of economy where you have uh, mills that are able to pre-process or somewhat fractionate some of the components, perhaps in a dry way, uh, so that some of the side products can go back to animal feed while the high value products go to food, then you create a lot of fractions much more locally than it's done today. And then this should be shifting a little bit to the economies uh, uh, closer to the rural um, economies. And then, you know, with the, these fractions, you design them to have particular functionalities for baking or for, for beverage applications or for, I don't know, granola bars, so that you eventually get into, uh, into all sorts of ingredients that can be then perhaps more purified at a different scale in a different region of Europe. But the, the idea, and you and correct me if I'm wrong, is that we tried to basically f- uh, evaluate all of these potential cr- uh, crops and see where they could be growing and, uh, and where they could be growing the most sustainably and also where they could be processed more sustainably so that we have an entire value chain within Europe. And I wanted to kind of pick up on that value chain bit um, in, in terms of designing food with that you know processed plant protein in it. How important do you think is the sustainability or maybe the carbon footprinting in that in terms of the consumer experience, I suppose, maybe you like to call it in terms of foods nowadays? I think that is going to be more and more important for the consumer to choose uh, products that have a low carbon footprint. 
And in spite of the fact that today this is not reflected in the labels or in the communication that we have with consumers, eventually this is going to become more and more important. And then we have to actually document it because it's not that easy to just say, oh, this is more sustainable than another. So we need to have ways to measure. And you and already mentioned this with the life cycle assessment, where we have to be able to really measure what are the various uh, aspects that are somewhat um, using resources and uh, and water and you know have a full life cycle assessment of our food from from the ground all the way to the package that contains the food so that's the life cycle assessment but also you know what are the social implications of this so part of what we do in Pass is actually having social LCAs and not only LCAs that are linked to particular component or nutrition um, nutritional components that have to be traced. And, uh, and we have this dream in some of our uh, living labs to actually look from the beginning, from the soil and looking at satellite images and, and, and following the climate uh, of these three years of production and see how this affects uh, the sustainability of the products that we make. So we will have some model drinks, some model, uh, you know, like veggie burgers and see how these things uh, have, uh, which kind of carbon footprint these things have. Okay. And do you think, you mentioned it earlier, uh, Melena, around the clean label. Do you think there will be any outputs from Valpro Path that can help, uh, I suppose, strengthen the direction of that or maybe provide a bit of direction for for that to come up with this clean label at the end? Yeah. I, I, you know, like, for example, one of our leading labs, one of the, uh, the the companies that we have is a small company in Italy that is a, is a, um, a social uh, um, um, uh, it's a social community that has a beautiful recipe for making a veggie burger. But right now, the veggie burger is extremely expensive and has a million different ingredients in it because they because they're trying to make it with with you know it's very very high quality but a lot of ingredients. So when it comes to the label, the label is not very clean. And uh, part of our job in Valpropath will be to re- redevelop or de- redesign their ingredient label so that they use less ingredients and they make it more trusted and more clean. And when you say that veggie burger, is that, is, uh, is that a veggie burger to taste like a veggie burger or to try and substitute for meat? No, it's, it is a very, very tasty veggie burger. <laughs> okay, it's veggie burger. Great. <laughs> there's lots of people trying to reproduce meat and it's uh, i'm not so sure Um, that's why i'm not calling it a a meat replacer i'm calling it a very nice and tasty veggie burger okay very good ewan can i bring you back in there um in terms of doing the processing of proteins maybe to increase their value are there any production facilities in ireland capable of doing that or is there any plans to develop any capacity in that area so at the moment, no, there there aren't any large scale commercial processing facilities in Ireland, but there are plans in play. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the sector is looking at what's happening across Europe, where huge investment is being made, uh, both private and public. And you see plants all around Europe that, that are doing this. So from an Irish perspective, we're, we're, we're at risk of falling behind. Um, but the good news is true projects like Uprotein and Valpropath 
we're able to work with colleagues across Europe, Malena, for example, uh, and other partners, both in industry and in research institutions, so that we're able to, to, to support the industry so that when they have questions, we can give them answers quickly. So we have pilot processing facilities uh, in Chagas down in Moorpark, um, and initial work done there is really, really promising. Uh, and industry is looking at that because that's already demonstrating how things can be done. One of the key aspects of it is that uh, in terms of extracting the protein from, from plant-based uh, sources, a lot of the processes that are already in place in, in, in food industries around the country that, that utilize milk can also actually be transferred and then the machinery can be utilized for, for plant-based uh, materials as well. And from a business model perspective, that, that has huge potential because obviously crops will be harvested into the early uh, late summer, into the early autumn. And, and some of these plants will be heading into a relatively quieter period at that time of year. So so if they can utilize existing infrastructure and systems within existing plants, well, then that's that's a win-win for everybody. Sure. Melina, can I just bring you back in there? Um, did I read only recently that there was a huge amount of money going into developing research around plant-based products in Denmark? Did I hear that right? The investment that the government is making. Yes, I think I think Denmark is ahead of the game in terms of uh, of pushing for sustainability. It has been one of the first countries in ninety in what is it in in uh, in twenty twenty one. It was the first country in Europe that uh, that that uh, put uh, lentils and other uh, protein crops as part of the, their dietary guidelines. And uh, and now they're following up, understanding that basically they have to push for a new economy in Denmark if they want to have uh, products that the consumer will accept. Because it's fine to say that we have to eat more healthy and more sustainable, but we also have to follow up with choices that the consumer will prefer. So that is not, you know, when you're going to the supermarket, you do not only go and buy this because it's good for you or because it's more sustainable, but you actually prefer it. It's, it's a preferred choice. So if you want to do this, then you have to invest and you have to invest in a new economy. And, uh, and this, is, this is why Denmark has, is putting so much emphasis and a lot of research funding to, uh, to come up with new solutions for proteins. Okay, Jeez, that's 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 quite interesting. Yeah, uh, and thanks very much for that. Um, you and I'm just, the very last question to you. Um, I just wanted to ask you about. Um, certainly, there's going to be lots of results coming out of uh, Valpro. Uh, but are, are there any of them that are going to be actionable by farmers here in Ireland, or maybe perhaps maybe across Europe as well? Because it's aimed at Europe, not just Ireland. Um, to so that farmers can, um, I suppose, extract some value out of it. Or I suppose for any farmers listening, the, the, the easy one to, to ask really is, will this put any money back into my pocket as a farmer? Well, I mean, the answer is yes. I mean, the project has to show that this will put money in pockets because that's the whole goal of the project. If if we don't achieve that, um, we won't be we won't be doing what what we're meant to be doing in the project. Um, I'm confident it will. The question, of course, is how long will it take? Uh, and with any research project, when the there, there's a finite time. Um, couple of years and then after that obviously the idea is that the systems are there the commercial industry will come in uh, and bring this on in terms of uh, commercial opportunities and develop them the the key thing is that 
will there be uh, actions for farmers? Can they take that out of this project before the project ends? And I think absolutely. Um, and the reason I say that is because we look to U-Protein, which is only halfway through its tenure, uh, and it's already exceeding the milestones uh, that were originally anticipated for, for that, that halfway point. And that's because of, I suppose, the interest both by f- farmers and the food companies and the, the processing plants. And everybody's acutely aware that that we need that commercial processing facility in Ireland. So the next steps for us is at a national level is we need to start to, to do due diligence on that and develop the business model around that. And that'll be that'll be part and project of of the Valproapat project. The the key thing though is just to come back and if I can come back on on one just two quick points is that the goal of Valpro is is the right crop in the right place for the right market. And at the moment we only grow faba bean, and we need to be growing uh, a greater range of protein crops. So that's that's the first step. We're showing already with our research in Oak Park that those crops have potential here in Ireland, especially lupin, which previously. Uh, wasn't maturing quickly enough, but we've got access into new varieties coming out of Germany through Valpro, and they're showing huge promise and will be on display at the open day uh, in June 21st in Oak Park. And then the other thing is that... They spoke, well done. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) And then Valpro, Pat, is is also, it's not about, and this is very important because I suppose there's a narrative out there about plant protein in in direct conflict with with animal protein uh, and and that's not the narrative of valpro valpro is about diversifying the the added value opportunity for producers and putting that a sustainable system in place for for private industry in terms of uh, extracting protein so it's about the diversification it's not about uh, complete and absolute substitution which is what we hear sometimes Ewan, thanks very much for your time and Melena as well. Thank you a huge amount for joining us today. Um, and with your permission, I'd love to come back and chat to you again, maybe in the middle of Valpro or maybe and towards the end as well, just to see how that project's going on, because I think that it holds huge potential, not just for the production and processing of, of plant proteins in Ireland, but also for um, maybe proteins across Europe, of which, as we know, Europe is deficit in plant proteins at the moment. So thanks again. Thank you. You're welcome. So that's it for this week, and my thanks to Ewan and Malena for joining me on the podcast. There's another Tillage Signpost Farm Walk next week on April the 4th on Tom Barry's farm near Mallow in Cork to examine how to get the best from slurries and to produce chemical fertilizers. For more details, go to chagas.ie forward slash events. Finally, don't forget if you enjoyed the podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chargis.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.